Welcome to another episode of the UCLA Anderson FEMBA podcast, Drive Time. This is Dylan Stafford. I am your host, and it is my real pleasure to expand the footprint of our podcast with our first alumni interview. With me today is Parag Lal, uh, who graduated from FEMBA in 2004. He is currently the president of Carmen Road Entertainment and, um, and has had three real amazing careers with Intel, with Cisco, and for the last five years as a successful entrepreneur making movies and making deals and really leaving an interesting global footprint. But way more than all of that, um, one of the great things about FEMBA is you will make friendships while you are here. And when I began working at UCLA in 2002, many moons ago before I had gray hair, Parag was one of the student leaders in FEMBA Council that year. And he and Ellen Keeler and that whole crew uh, grabbed a hold of me and made sure that I was successful because they made sure that we did some really fun and progressive stuff uh, that, uh, you know, the student leaders around here really make FEMBA grow and get better every single year. That plus the dynamic leadership of of our deans. And um, in addition to me having just a tremendous amount of professional respect, Prague and our friends, and we have traveled the world together. We went to India together back in uh, 2010, and we'll tell you a little bit about that. So um, say hi to our listeners, Prague. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, in this room, and uh, it's an honor. Uh, thank you very much for reaching out to me, Dylan, uh, and I'm, I feel privileged to be the first alumni uh, to actually be part of your podcast series. So I'm excited to uh-huh. share what I can with uh, all the MBA students out there and alumni. And please be, be kind with me. As a person who has actually successfully made movies before, yeah, I, I still don't know what I'm doing, and this, we're <laughs> three months into this experiment. So... Um, well, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, just kind of before FEMBA. What was, where'd you grow up? What'd you study? Tell us a little bit about you. Wow, where I grew up. Okay, so I'm one of three boys. I have an identical twin brother who is three minutes older than me. Three minutes. Oh my three God. minutes, yes. Uh, he always thinks he's better than me. But, uh, but yeah, I love him to death. And then I have an elder brother, uh, 14 months older. So we're all Irish twins, three boys in our wow. family. Oh my God. Buffalo, New York, so that's where we were from. Lived there for five years. It got too cold, so my parents was all like, we're going to Los Angeles, where it's a lot warmer and sunnier. And so so we moved from Buffalo to um, L.A. actually when I was eight years old. When you are eight years old. And you maybe are going to save this for later, but tell people a little bit about your father, because he's pretty wow. amazing human being. Wow, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, yeah, he's uh, actually a person who's guided my life quite a bit. Uh, he's an inspiration and he's, uh, you know, basically something we take away is like you can pretty much create anything you want for your life. Mm. You know, uh, he was an orphan at age six, beggar in the streets of India for two years because uh, he lived in the streets. And then he became a servant raising four kids. Uh, and uh, the silver lining is they made him go to school. So the benefit of education while he was a servant and to this day, servants don't go to school in India. But he got lucky to find the family he did. Fast forward, he comes, uh, you know, after high school there, he applied to his PhD program in Rutgers University. Go New Jersey! Go Jersey! And uh, he came here, got his uh, PhD in biochemistry, and uh, then went back and married my mom, and then brought her here, and therefore we ended up in Buffalo for his first job there. So that's how we started in Buffalo. Mm. Of all places in the U.S. to live, you go from the hottest place in India <laughs> to the coldest place in the United States, or one of the coldest places. And where, where was he from? What was his city in India? Rajasthan, India, which is Rajasthan. one of the hottest places in India. It was 128 degrees the last time I was there. Wow. Fahrenheit. 
128 degrees, with, I'm sure, a little humidity sprinkled on top. Completely dry heat. Oh, oh, it's dry heat. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Mumbai. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, oh, so, oh, so it's, it's like Phoenix. It's a dry heat. Yep, it's the dry heat, yeah. And so his PhD from Rutgers was in biochem. What what did you study in your before FEMBA education? Before FEMBA, so I was actually a biochem major also. That's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. My dad had a big influence in my life. And I was supposed to become a doctor, but uh, I got a little smart for that. My twin brother, unfortunately, didn't. But I finished biochemistry. I loved everything about it, but I just medicine and working in a hospital were not for me. Yeah. So, so what did you do after undergrad? After undergrad, I actually got hired right out of college. Uh, when I didn't want to be a doctor, I got hired. I started looking around what I could uh, put to work, and I started taking business classes in my last year. So, a couple of business classes. So I got hired by Intel, of all companies, uh, in '96, and had a new college grad program. And I interviewed with 30 other potential candidates for four positions, and. For some reason, Intel took a gamble with a biochem major and mm. hired me in for one of the four spots. Wow. So started the, my career at Intel. And uh, right away, as you are as a, you know, at a brand new company, new kid on the block, let's give him the thing that nobody wanted to touch. <laughs> you know, he has to prove himself. And at tech companies, it's often like that. You have to prove your worth. Uh, sink or swim mentality. So they put me in charge of the entertainment division. And nobody back in 96 was doing anything with entertainment because they didn't do a lot of, with digital technologies. They weren't even actually developed back then. Mm -hmm. So pretty much they put me in charge of a division that nobody wanted to touch and for sure I was going to fail. Yeah, because everybody's worried about the chips and what goes in the box and it's a computer paradigm. Yeah. So entertainment must have just looked like a red herring to them. It was a red herring, yeah. yeah. Everybody wanted... Give it to the new kid. Give it to the new kids. <laughs> everybody wanted financial services and healthcare industry, farmer's insurance, you know, and they wanted to actually... Uh, take over industries that were already being successful. Okay. So entertainment was not bringing in much revenue for tech companies. So, you know, let alone, uh, you know, nobody wanted to touch it. So I took responsibility for that division. Wow. Okay. And so when did you start thinking, you know, an MBA would go well with biochem? That's a good question. So after a biochem major and going to Intel, luckily it was a one-year training program. So they did train me uh, to understand marketing, sales, all the inner workings of a company. Okay. Um, and then they threw me out to the sharks to say sink or swim. So fast forward, I started working with CEOs earlier on in my life. Uh, you know, worked with some very notable names, not name dropping here, but just, you know, when you're a young kid out of college and you're working with like Michael Eisner and trying to talk to Jeffrey Katzenberg, who runs DreamWorks, it's a little daunting when, you know, you're a biochem major and can't speak the business language. Okay. Yeah. So, needless to say, about three years into the job, I applied for my MBA at UCLA because I realized there was a big missing for me to have the fundamentals of being able to speak finance and you know understand a company's direction and know how to talk to CEOs that are running Fortune 500 companies, and I didn't have the vocabulary or the education to know how to speak to these powerful leaders. Mm. So that's when I applied for my MBA, and you know my bosses at Intel fully supported me. Go out, get your MBA, and, you know, it was probably the best thing I look back that i ever done because it really changed the way I helped grow the division and impacted the way that I work with, uh, you know, executives. Wow. So, and you were, and so, okay, so you're coming, and you were coming from the era with corporate sponsorship, you know, the dollars were looser back in those days, so mm -hmm. you got some support to come here. Yes. 
That's great. And then the world blew up, what, the month before you started school was September 11th? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I got lucky. I got into the MBA program and then the world blew up, yes. Uh, one of the darkest days for America. And, uh, you know, things uh, actually retracted at corporations all around, you know, the U.S. and the globe. And Intel changed their policy a year after. I think they were only supporting 50% of the cost of an MBA just because everybody tightened their purse strings. Uh, given what was happening in the macro economy and global economy as well as here back home in the U.S. So I definitely got in and uh, um, got started in yeah, 2001. You're right. One year, one month before. Wow, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> lot, you never know. Three years is a long time to do yeah. the FEMBA program. You know, life is going to happen all the way through. Yeah. Internally, macro, like you said, big picture, little picture, you know, my, my little personal life and then the entire planet. Um well, you know, one of, we're going to call your podcast. We Prague and I had lunch beforehand, and uh, we we're talking about you know really FEMBA as a playground, mm -hmm. like your MBA as an opportunity to stretch yourself, to to swing for the home run, to 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 put new skills into your skill set, to really like team and training, you know, like go for it, get your get your business skill set really polished and honed. So let's let's take people into into FEMBA before we get to your your after story because your after story is amazing. Um, you know what I met Prague as a student leader. Like literally, I've told this story about the the Super Saturdays. We will have this fall. We will interview our six thousandth Super Saturday face to face on campus interview. Wow! And, and it was it was Ellen Keeler and Prague Law who came to me. I'd been on the job, so I worked here for a year, and then the old admission director went to Rand to run their PhD. And Victor Tabush, the dean at the time, said, "Hey, Dylan, you want to be the director of admissions?" And I was, I thought. Okay, cool, because I was actually about to leave. I'd just gotten married. You know, I thought the job that I was doing was too small for me. But admission director, I'm like, oh, I get to work with people. I get to represent school. I get to be a, you know, a face to the program. And I'd been on the job like a red-hot minute, and Ellen was in my office. We need to interview people. I'm like, what? Uh, who, who are you? Oh, you're student body president. Okay, I should listen to her. She's powerful. And and then it was, and, and, I, and she said, you know, sometimes we admit people who are, really smart, but maybe they should be getting a PhD in some esoteric science versus an MBA, she felt that interviews could help possibly make the student body culture a little more business school-esque. And I had a staff of one. It was Vicky Aoyoki and me. And I, I thought, well, my God, we get five, 600 applications. I don't, ha I don't have time to interview five, 600 people. She's, oh, don't worry about it. We'll get some volunteers. And, and we now, 13, 14 years later, live in the downstream tailwind. You know, we've... Three times a year, we get 50 to 70 volunteers. Prague is one of our all-time, you've done, I think, 12 Super Saturday. You basically were there for every Super Saturday for about the first three years, plus mm -hmm. even after you graduated. So anyway, that's just my thank you, public acknowledgement to your leadership. But you did a lot more than just help us launch Super Saturday. So kind of bring us back into your experience as a student leader during FEMBA, your, your academic experience. I think you made A's in every class except Dean Hain, former yeah. <laughs> former Dean Carla Hain. You were complaining about that over, over lunch. You, yeah. you're, you're not a typical, stereotypical person who comes whose family comes from the continent of India, except sometimes you are. And when you told me, I didn't even know you had that great of a GPA while you were here. Yeah. It surprises me not at all. Yeah. But um, like, kind of take people back through what were some of the things – that you loved about the, like, where did you experiment? Where did you stretch yourself? Like, what are some lessons that current students could benefit from? Because you really did maximize this thing while you were here, and I'm talking way too long, so let me hand it back to you. No, that's, uh, you know, absolutely, yeah. Uh, as Dylan mentioned, we had lunch before this, and 
you know, it came with the tagline, let FEMA be your playground. Because it's, it's kind of what my experience I would describe at Anderson was. For the three years I was here, the MBA program, uh, playground in every area of my life. And when I say play, you know, we all remember when we were kids. And you play at different areas in your life. And, you know, and you don't think with any regard, you're just playing for the sake of playing. Well, as adults, we sometimes forget about that. Mm. You know, yeah, well, it's serious now. There's it's just... all it's too serious. We're making money. We're doing this. We have to support families. And what's going to happen with our jobs? And how we have so many pressures of our everyday jobs. And part of being fan, I fully understood it because I was at Intel, growing the entertainment division at the time. You know, or get my MBA, and I was like, what am I going to do? And how do I maximize this experience? And literally, I look back, and in every area, I made this more so my playground. So from from the fact that you know you're nominated by your peers to be part of the student council, student body, and yeah, it was a privilege to be nominated and, ha you know, shout out to DJ and Ellen and Amy, uh, who were part of the group that we came in with and um, on the council. And so we really looked at it as like, are we going to be able to change UCLA for, you know, leave our mark in our legacy? Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, the Super Saturdays. And it was just something that us as a student body thought what a privilege it would be for us to meet the students before they actually get here. Yeah. Start that relationship earlier on and get to know them. And, you know, although you come to, uh, or I did come to get my MBA for the numbers and the finance and, the, you know, it's all about the numbers. It's not always about the numbers. It's a whole picture as we learn in business school. So it was putting the story behind every candidate, mm. which I got to tell you to hear that you're at the 6,000th. Yeah. Wow. Come yeah. a long way. Hats off to you for keeping me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. It's a lot of people who've had a moment of truth. Yes. Because I always remind people, you know, we admit about half the people who apply yeah. and about half the people we don't admit. Yeah. But we build our reputation with 100% of okay. the people who, who interview. And we leave we leave a positive, lasting impression. Because yeah. other schools, it's an open secret that we do this. But it's also a huge chunk of energy and organization and time and effort. A lot of coordination. But we do it because I think that... The, Output is better, and also it's building our long-term reputation. You know, even if I, heaven forbid, didn't get admitted to Anderson, if I was treated with dignity and respect, I may hire Anderson. You know, because you know we we can't admit every single person who applies, but there are a lot of smart people who want to apply, and even the ones who don't come, if we leave them with that positive memory, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you left an impression forever, and yeah. and the results show from the Super Saturdays just a couple of years later because you saw. The change in the rankings, and of mm -hmm. course, everybody looks at that because that impacts a lot of things, not only at the school, but us as alumni when we leave. Yeah. So we started the Super, uh, you know, uh, the Super Saturdays, which was always fun, creating that with you guys, uh, with Dylan and the team. And uh, but you know, in all areas. So we're, really, I say, I say, a couple of different areas. One I'll touch on is really when you're here as a FEMBA, you know, all of us have jobs that we actually report it back into. And what an opportunity to make this your playground when you're meeting with professors and, uh, you know, learning stuff and be able to apply it on the job. It made the biggest difference for me is being able to learn what I was doing in finance and operations and marketing and be able to apply it right back, uh, right away into Intel. Because mm -hmm. the results showed. And it actually helped me, you know, continue to grow and uh, run the organization. But when I say play, play with your teachers. I mean, oftentimes... Uh, I encourage, I will go in and see my teachers, you know, challenge the ideas that they put forth. Mm. I gave the story with you, Gonzalo, I was taking a class with Gonzalo on taxation, corporate taxation. I didn't disagree, I, I disagreed with something that he graded me on, mm. went back in, I challenged him and it was, he agreed with me. So <laughs> you don't win all of them, but it's great to actually, when you're playing, 
you know, it's not right or wrong. It's more so, uh, you know, you look at it because you're there to learn and challenge the professors as they're there to challenge you to expand mm -hmm. your mind. So, and outside of that, so, you know, with your professors, obviously is a great vehicle. Here also, um, uh, the multitude of clubs. I mean, I was part of the Entertainment Management Club. Mm. I was part of the High Tech Business mm. Association, you know, and it's amazing the CEOs uh, that come onto campus that speak at these different key your keynotes or they come and speak. It's what an opportunity. I remember... That's how I met Peter Goober, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's how I met Sherry Lansing, you know, Les Moonves, you name it. Like we have some awesome, you know, um, CEOs visiting and it's just such a loss when, you know, uh, you have that at campus and yet you're not able to attend. Mm -hmm. So I tell students prioritize being there because you learn from the visionaries that are actually running these companies today. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I, I just touched on the entertainment CEOs because that was what I was pushing into, but you know, healthcare, financial service across the board. There's several CEOs that visit Anderson. And outside of that, let's not forget the fun element. Boy, what did we start? Uh, we started the first FEMBA Halloween party. Yes, and where was that hosted? And that was hosted in my house. <laughs> I think it's it's not at his house anymore. We've upgraded beyond that. Yes, oh boy. But um, that was one of the things we started with. To this day, I heard that that lives on, which is amazing. We started also doing a... Femme Las Vegas party, but you know that lives on to yeah. They I don't like two hundred forty people went this week this winter. Yeah, to Vegas. Yeah, the biggest. So we started that also. The biggest one we threw was I think yeah two hundred fifty uh, people that came and we got forty rooms at the Venetian. Wow, so it was forty crazy. rooms yeah. at the Venetian. Nothing Whose like credit a, card did that go on? Mine. You know the airline miles. Come there on. you go. You there maximize you go. it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we started that those on, and then one thing you know even to touch on is. Um, the whole Anderson affiliate is one of the best things that you do after finishing three years at um, UCLA and getting what you do, not only growing as an individual, growing in your career um, and really expanding yourself is um, the ability to actually leave a mark on campus. And uh, part of the Anderson affiliates is the alumni give back program. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, one of the things I did is like uh, I went up to Dylan and said, look, let's do an end of year party uh, to really celebrate three years you know, of accomplishment. Mm hmm. And I think with the giving program, we raised more in that one year, uh, 2004, at the end of the year, than we did in about the previous eight to 10 years before. Wow. Which is phenomenal. And it's just, for me, it's when you're present to the accomplishment, whether it's anywhere in your life, when you really present yourself, it actually opens up a lot of things for people. Mm -hmm. It's like you get, you really get present to the value. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think we made such a big difference at the end of in 2004 is people got present to the value they got. And that they're, you know, when we had our professors who we idolize sometimes on stage making fools of themselves, mm -hmm. that was amazing, you mm -hmm. know, because they are just people, you know, and uh, people who have given us the gift of the education they did to allow us to continue on afterwards after the MBA and really make a mark in this world. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I got to be in a couple of those skits along the way mm. <laughs> with Professor Foster and uh, Professor Tabush and Gonzalo. Everybody. Oh Professor yeah, we Gracious. made yeah we made Gonzalo come out and uh, Sussman. Oh yeah. And oh my God, the pizza one. Oh my God. And yeah. then we had a rock star band up there. That's right. And then yeah, students showing off their talents that you yep. just never would know about. Yeah, I still think we need like a Saturday night black tie talent show in Royce Hall. That's one of my wish lists. And, and, that could, and that's in the name of fun. If you look at it, it's fun, you know, challenging your professors. It's fun, like, Halloween parties. Mm -hmm. It's fun, like, closing off the thing. It's like, make this your playground. That's, that. you know, how could you not when you're here? 
Well, I know we're calling this Femba as your playground. I was at lunch, we were talking, I said, well, I want to call it servant leadership because I, I do think you, you have this, you put people first. It's just kind of how you are. Um, and you create these huge results in parallel. And I, I just, I love that about your approach to life. So I'm going with Femba as your playground because I think it's a better title, but, but a second, a close second would have been servant leadership. So, all right. So that was during Femba. So you, you, you maximized the time that you were here. And, um, and then, so tell people, so you came in with Intel, how did you get to Cisco? Yeah. So, uh, boy, first of all, just to cap off Intel is like literally, I think the division grew tenfold while I was in, you know, uh, business school here. Wow. I mean, everybody in Hollywood was coming to our door and our, our practice really took off. And so, so that was like 2001 to 2004. Yeah. 2004 wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. you can get like. Yeah, it just didn't even exist before that. And then, yeah, you rode that wave, and you rode it well. Okay. Rode it well. And then uh, in 2006, you know, once you have an MBA from UCLA, a very prestigious business school, uh, the name carries. And, and then I had a reputation for what I did at Intel. And a headhunter reached out to me and said, look, you know, we heard about you, so would you consider coming to Cisco? You know, and when you've been at a company 11 years, you're fat, dumb, and happy. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you're like... Uh, uh, you've never seen you fat, but I'll take okay. your word for it. <laughs> you know, I was enjoying life at Intel. Why leave when you know all the executives and mm -hmm. you have stock options and that? But pretty much I said, threw my name in the hat, did three interviews and uh, in one day, and they made me offer the next day. And uh, pretty much I asked for the world because I didn't think, you know, I didn't want to leave. And they pretty much said yes to everything I asked for. Yeah, it's what you can, it's, yeah, it's negotiating is what you can leverage. Yeah. yeah. So Cisco started, we started the entertainment div division from scratch. Um, and you know, why relationship, whether it's business school or any industry you're in are key, you know, mm -hmm. and having worked with a lot of all of Hollywood and the, you know, independent producers and, you know, um, startup digital, you know, digital tech companies like Netflix and Amazon and, you know, it helped having the background relationship. So that's why Cisco's like, yeah, we want you, uh, to come in. So we came in and, um, it was really great. Uh, uh, just to start from scratch, a brand new division, I had already done it and, uh, you know, pretty much uh, under a different handle instead of Intel, it was Cisco and uh, really figure out to the same relationships I had, how could I add value in a different way now? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really, you know, putting all your MBA's knowledge and every your relationships all together in one confluence to actually be able to impact and make change. So Cisco was a ride. It was uh, in the first year we took off and... We blew every single expectation of John Chambers, uh, you know, of what he had. And he was a CEO of Cisco, president mm -hmm. CEO of Cisco at the time. You know, we blew every single expectation away in the first year and kept on doing it uh, every year afterwards. Mm -hmm. So rode that way for uh, four or five years. And it was amazing just doing everything I did at Intel all over again at Cisco. So here you are, a biochem major, you know, competing with two brothers, clawing your way for credibility and respect. Now you've got your Anderson MBA, you've got two Fortune 500s under your belt, and you're in a high-growth sector, so you're going to just ride this for the rest of your career, right? You're going to be a Fortune 500 guy. Like, that's just the smart, obvious, but that's not how your life went. No. Then the wake-up call came, you know, life and reality hit, and the same father I told everyone the story about who grew up in the streets of India... Uh, had Parkinson's, got typhoid uh, in the same year, in 2010. Uh, and it was uh, definitely took me by surprise. And uh, 
you know, went to India and saw what condition he was in. He was in the hospital for quite some time. And, um, you know, in our culture, we value, you know, the elderly and how do you not honor a man who's given you an amazing life, the American dream, you know, to fulfill on. So I made the very tough decision not, you know, to leave Cisco and pretty much, um, you know, take care of my father because he was, Parkinson's is an unforgiving disease. And um, for a person who doesn't like hospitals and didn't want to become a doctor, it was about eight appointments a week uh, for about three and a half years. Uh, ophthalmology, neurology, you know, physical therapy, you name it. We were doing everything to try to actually get him to stabilize. But uh, I spent quite a share of time um, in the hospital for three, three and a half years. And uh, But when I left Cisco, you know, I didn't look back. I had done well enough for... 15 years of my life and I started that's when I started Carmen Road Entertainment which it was uh, you know starting the company knowing that I could continue doing on my own what I did for Intel and Cisco but under my own handle uh, while I cared for a father mm -hmm. and I could definitely say had I not had the MBA uh, I probably would have been less likely to leave Cisco I would have not had the confidence and the tools to say look I'm going to go out on my own, venture on my own, take care of my dad while I start my company on the side and be able to work at will when I want to on different consulting gigs uh, to sustain my life and my career and whatnot while I took care of my father. So yeah, it was definitely uh, a wake-up call, a transition, and definitely by choice I did that. And it was probably, you know, I'll never regret that choice. Mm. You know, And luckily, you know, those of you who might be wondering, after four years he did stabilize. Mm -hmm. And he's still alive today, and he's doing great. So I always look back and say it was definitely worth the time, because now he's enjoying my niece, who's two years old now, and he's alive today. And uh, found the right medication, the right support, right therapy, uh, and he's living a great life with all of us today. Yeah, and he lives right next door to you. Right, right next door to me. Yes, yeah. he does. You, it's amazing. You found a you found a, a, an appropriate care facility yeah. in your literal neighborhood here on yeah. the West LA. So good things happen. Good karma. Yeah. <laughs> one might say. Absolutely. So you're five years as president of Carmen mm -hmm. and Carmen Road. Tell me, so where, what's the name? Funny, the Carmen Road, where it came from. So here I am. I literally left Cisco and I had, you know, uh, I was looking to establish my own company pretty quickly, putting all the paperwork together and, um, uh, and I was deciding on a name and Carmen Road is the street we grew up on in Buffalo, New York. Oh, really? Yeah, it was ah. Carmen Road, so that's where it came from. It's your hometown street in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, and Ooh. my elder brother came with the idea. I'm like, I don't know what to call it. And he goes, just come up with Carmen Road. Like, and I'm like, why not Carmen Road? Mine would be Blue Bonnet. <laughs> Blue Bonnet, oh my God. <laughs> I, I, Carmen Road's much more interesting than Blue Bonnet. Blue Bonnet entertainment might sound a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it might actually not create the right imagery for people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And what what do you like most about? I mean, it's because a lot of people they're they have a, an allure with mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. They have a allure with being the president. You know, my wife is president of her consulting company, mm -hmm. but it takes a certain kind of temperament. It's not for everyone. So you know, like tell little people tell people a little bit. You know, like the pros and minuses because literally you did step away from the big cushy gig. Yeah. Not that Fortune five hundred work isn't ridiculously demanding. Yeah. But the infrastructure is all there. The name recognition. So tell people like what do you like most about? What I like most about it is, ironically, you know, what we call it is a term, uh, I don't know if it's a Silicon Valley term or an MBA term, but 
you know, at Fortune 500 companies is uh, called intrapreneurship. Mm. You're in the company, but they starve you in tech companies. It's not like, you know, you have this big veil of like Intel and Cisco and like, oh, you're a product. Take like $5 million and go do what you got to do. It's like, right. no, no, you got to prove yourself at every stage. So it's been, ironically, the transition wasn't as tough, but the pros are, you know, you are your own boss. You set your own schedule, you know, um, uh, you really get to drive the vision for the company without too many people disagreeing with you, you know, which happened from time to time at Intel. And sure, sure. You know, as yeah. happens at big comp companies. And little companies. And, and family businesses. And all kinds of companies, you know. <laughs> Anytime two or more people are together. Yes, <laughs> pretty much so. And so the lure is it on that side. Uh, so the positive is like you get to set the direction. You get to choose the projects you want to. And I was fortunate enough to have, have 15 successful years under my belt that I didn't have to get every single deal I wanted. Mm. And so I got to pick and choose. And ironically, part of that is, um, you know, geez, in five years, what most people don't do in LA, I pretty much made my first movie, you mm -hmm. know, produced my first movie and got a script, got a financier, put it together. We sold to China very successfully. Um, and then we also started touching on something that's really, you know, and this is what, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you get to see trends that are happening in the you know in the world, and you get to jump on it and really execute to them right away. Mm. You know, you don't have yeah, you don't have any like anybody to convince. Like we have to do it in Tonsas, go like, hey, you know, this is the new direction, and this is what you know we need to reallocate resources here. It's like you, you know, and your team that get to decide. And now there's a huge you know for those of you on the phone who are part of social media, there's a huge social media reach now that Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter. You know, and Facebook give you, and now they're people called influencers, and these influencers are changing the dynamics of uh, the way consumers, uh, mark, com consumer package companies reach out to consumers, mm -hmm. and it's interesting. Like you got a YouTube star making twelve million dollars last year, mm -hmm. the biggest YouTube star. So uh, we started actually working with influencers, and ironically, tech entertainment work together so well. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we started getting working with influencers. About 50 influencers influence 700 million uh, reach, consumer reach. So 50 kids, seven, you know, influencers, mm -hmm. uh, millennials they call them, 18 to 34, can reach 700 million people. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine the power, you know? Uh, so everybody from Kmart to Target to other Fortune 500 companies have come to us, come to us with camp campaigns to now reach these same influencers. Mm-hmm. And the latest success we had was last November when we did a huge campaign uh, around Star Wars to reach uh, millennials who don't know Star Wars because they didn't grow up in that era. Or, like, yeah, they don't know the old characters. The old characters. They, they know, like, they know like, the new generation characters. I'm aging us a little bit, Dylan. But I like, know. Us too. We're, We're Gen Xers. Wars, We're yeah. Gen Xers. Hey, where's yeah. my cane? Oh, <laughs> where's my cane? So, yeah, they didn't know. So they hired us and literally we ran a whole, huge campaign with influencers. And I got to tell you, we reached, uh, we were in the t uh, trending top 10 on Twitter for two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Yeah. It yeah. was phenomenal. And that's pretty remarkable results. So, needless to say, you know, um, Disney was very happy with the results. Yeah. You know? Yeah, let them be. Yeah. So, yeah, entrepreneurship, the pros are, you know, there are a lot of pros. Cons are, you know, you are hustling. You know, you're creating your value. You, you're consistently doing that. Uh, and luckily, in our case, once you actually have some successes, the referrals come in, your name gets out there, and it's a lot easier to sustain. You know, like any startup, you gotta, you know, put in the grind, work for the first couple of years until you're established, and off you go. In my case, I think it happened a little 
quicker than most because I came from tech entertainment. So it was an easy migration for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my wife's experience, she leveraged a 20 year career with Hilton. Mm. You know, she's, I think, six, seven years as a as running her own show and everything is referrals. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you who, who wonder if these years you're putting in at Boeing or Northrop or Disney or Cisco, if you wonder if those years are worth it, you know, when you when you manage yourself with integrity, when you build trust and appreciation and respect, you know, and then you go start your own, you know, all that stuff goes with you. You know, you are your own brand and you got to be responsible for that. And people either, you know, appreciate and respect you or they don't. But if they do, you you open up these options for yourself. Yeah. This is maybe a little bit of a non sequitur, but I was remembered sometime you and I have talked the last four or five years and, and you and your brother were looking at an investment property. And I remember you saying, oh, I went back and pulled out my notes from Sussman. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is not a linear segue, but tell people that story because I thought that was so cool, A, that you still had your notes you know, like the value of your education hadn't expired. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's appropriate, just kind of like, you know, like how, like, cause that was like a, was that within Carmen Road or that was a different company that. It... So my brother has a very successful real estate business and he has access to a lot of high net worth individuals from around the world. And it's kind of interesting. It's actually a notable uh, topic to bring up because even after you leave uh, Anderson, hopefully you never leave and stay part of the alumni network and stay active. But even after you're gone and not going to school here per se anymore, it's amazing to actually really have relationship with professors who are still back at the school. Like uh, Gonzalo, I have a great relationship with, who t- uh, teaches taxation. That's right. You saw him at Fembapalooza on yep. Sunday. Yeah, yep, yep. Fembapalooza. Fembapalooza. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was awesome. And I love it. And it was a great reason to come back and reunite with all your professors. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, Bill Cockrum, I've kept in touch with him. Uh, taught financing the emerging enterprise. Uh, Professor Sussman, I kept in touch with him, real estate uh, guru. And like, you know, so I came back here. Uh, and when you're out in the real world, you know, we learned what we did when we were here. And here I am five years later doing a real estate deal with my brother. And we brought, uh, we had lunch with Professor Sussman and really wanted to run our due diligence by him. And he was more than happy to meet with us and help him out. I also went to uh, Gonzalo Freshi's and Asked him about estate planning for my parents' properties that they did in their real estate uh, investments. So it's interesting. You still keep the relationship with professors, you know, after you leave, uh, long after you leave. Uh, and I would urge all the students when you come here is that's part of the play. You get to know your professors, you know, challenge your professor's ideas. Uh, I remember one professor who I ended up working with, um, boy, uh, Sky Moore. He's one of the leading um uh, lawyers, entertainment lawyers, and he teaches uh, entertainment law, which I took at the business school. And I remember for 10 weeks, I did, I, I did, all I did for 10 weeks is argue with the way the entertainment industry does stuff. Because if you look at a contract where the entertainment industry is like reading another language and uh, just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like some of those <laughs> contracts are in integrity. So I challenged him for 10 weeks and he remembered we became such good friends only, and this is when I was at Intel and at school here. And only to then be on the opposite side of the table with him, negotiating on a deal that we were doing with Danny DeVito and Morgan Freeman, and he was a representing lawyer and then the Intel lawyers. So it was amazing. Um, but yeah, you're, these are the professors you're going to meet at Anderson, the relationship you're going to keep, you know, are going to be very valuable to your long-term uh, you know, success in life and as a FEMBA and for your, you know, careers in your profession. So... Yeah, and people always ask, you know, what's the different undergrad to grad? You know, it's just the the professors here, it's not like undergrad. No. 
you know, we our average FEMBA this year walking in the door in the class of 2019 is going to be 31 years old on average. Wow. These are full-grown grown-ups yep. with full-grown lives. Yep. And the faculty love teaching working professionals because you're going to go use it tomorrow. Yes. And you really will push back and challenge. And, you know, the professors are so proud of the research. I mean, they've given their life to these disciplines. They want to forward the needle. They want to move the needle forward the conversation. And then you're, you know, you're like the laboratory. Everybody in your FEMBA section, you guys are out there on the court, big, small, medium companies, private, public, family businesses, making it all happen. And sure. you and you are asking, you're raising your hand saying, well, but, 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 but why? <laughs> no, and you know what? It's interesting. I'll even bring up something that happened at FEMBA Palooza. So I'm dating a lovely lady right now. Yes, you are. <laughs> and she's starting, uh, she's a periodontist and she's starting a new... Uh, uh, a line of products and interestingly Gonzalo at Femba Palooza was giving a talk and he was talking about taxation and all that and we got so much out of it because her brand is going to be international mm. and boy I remember taking a class when I was here in 2004 but I didn't remember all the ins and outs of what Gonzalo gave his talk on and it was like we got so much out of just coming back and listening to what he had to say she gave her ideas for her business we brainstormed afterwards we even talked to Gonzalo so that's what I'm saying is keeping that relationship going yeah. long after you're gone. It's so important to like, you know, even coming back and doing stuff with uh, doing stuff with the faculty, like traveling all over the world. Like, you well, know. that's that's perfect. Perfect. Because, yeah, we're, we, we got about five minutes left. So let's one of my favorite. I mean, literally my this is a, a high water mark and it's perfect. You, you mentioned Gonzalo and international. So. One of the most interesting things I've done in my life was the global immersion, the Anderson Global Immersion trip in 2010. I got to go on one of the trips. Former Dean Hain and Dean Frasia said, you got to go to India. 13% of our students have Indian heritage. You got to go experience this country on the, on the ground. And, um, and so I went with the, the you know, and, and Gonzalo and Carla created these trips. Dean Shi has done nothing but make them even better in, in her tenure. So the leadership from the school, you know, and Dean Olean always says, Dean Judy Olean always says, you know, I want our students to have global brains and you don't, you just read about it. You know, you got to go experience it. So one of our huge pride points is that we've now, we've now educated over 2000 FEMBA students in over 20 countries, not the global access program. This is in parallel to gap with these one week trips. So I got to go with Prague. You went, why did Carl, why were you there? You went as an alum and, but you were doing something for Carla and Gazala, weren't you? I wasn't doing something for Carla and Gonzalo. I was doing something myself with India. Ah, oh, okay. We were collaborating with India on a project or whatnot, and I was going to go there anyways, and it turns out that this trip was happening. Oh, so, so you like, dovetailed into I it? I dovetailed into the trip, and, you know, one of the, you know, for these trips, they reserve maybe a couple of seats for alumni. Mm -hmm. So not only did I go with Sussman and uh, Gonzalo to um, the... Middle East, we went to Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and Saudi Arabia, which is fascinating. Oh, that's right. You had done that like yeah. beforehand. Yes. I remember you guys talking about yes. that. Okay. So we had done that, and then it turns out we were working with an Indian company, and I said, "Look, it would be great to dovetail that and go, um, you know, go to India." Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of the most amazing trips because we met, you know, we met with companies like Tata Consulting, and then oh yeah, we went. It was like a two-hour drive across. Crazy, Mumbai yes. Oh, to get to God. that beautiful little. Out of out of the outskirts, Tata. Oh yeah, location. Tata is one of the biggest consulting companies in India. If you if you're unaware of them, in there. the world. Yeah, in the now world. in the world. I'm sorry, America. Yeah. That's my America centric. <laughs> yeah, they are the bomb, and yeah. we got to go really have just an intimate afternoon with them. Yeah, and their leadership. It was phenomenal. And then you know that was a highlight. Then we did the Hollywood meets Bollywood. Event, yes, I love that. Which night. was amazing. Which is really to see how Hollywood's run, and we met with a whole bunch of Bollywood. 
you know, execs and even uh, movie stars. And it was kind of cool to actually have that interaction. And we had a great dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and these are great trips for not only for us to learn what's happening in other countries and meet the top executives in other countries, but it's a global world we live in now. And yeah. so they're invaluable trips. I had, I got so much out of them. So Yeah, I love that. And then you generously, before we even left, you said, well, Dylan, since we're going over there, you should come with me down to Kerala. The, so the, the global immersion was in Mumbai and in New Delhi, and we were staying in five diamond properties, uh, eating luxurious, delicious food and libations. And, and, and then you said, let's go down to Kerala to the, um, the, the backwaters, and you can sleep on a concrete floor for a week in my father's ashram. Yes. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I'm game. So, yeah. And there we went. Oh, yeah. And we missed our connection. So Prague and I were <laughs> drinking coffee, and we totally lost track of time. And we, we get to the gate, and there's a man with a machine gun yelling at us in Hindi. So the actual story is, um, <laughs> the actual story is Dylan wanted to get a coffee before he boarded a flight. And in India, they cut off the entry to get on the plane 45 minutes before. But I didn't know this. So we tried to squeeze in a coffee, and that messes up the whole trip down to Kerala. We got there the next morning. My dad had to wait overnight waiting for us. Oh, my God. This is, I, felt like, I felt like a teenager who's been out past curfew. Like, this is the first time I'm meeting your father. Yeah. And, and, he, and I, just, I, felt like, I felt like I was 13. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I remember that. And there's nothing like taking a trip after living in five-star hotels. Because these <laughs> trips, actually, for Anderson students, they're, they really book it out, like high-end places, great food, everything. Yeah. It was part of the inclusion. And then you go to this ashram where you're, we were sleeping on the floor, and then we were doing uh, selfless service for, yeah. for a week. And it was just kind of interesting to actually do that from this corporate world to this completely different ashram world where you're there to serve. Yeah, and it was such a humbling experience, and I even got Del Dylan, you know, access to sit on one of the elephants in the ashram, and yeah, I sat on an elephant. That's crazy. I've never sat. I mean, and it stands up and it just lifts you up like you're not even there. Yeah. That so was, oh oh yeah. So yeah, that was amazing to cap off the India trip. But it is it's it's amazing the access you get from you know being an alum, yeah, and also being in the program and being a fan bug to go on these trips, and especially if there's a part certain part of the world that you are interested in knowing more about or reaching out, meeting execs or whatnot, and what's going on like I need to for, for India. And I was unfortunately not able to go to China on the trip, but that's one I would have loved to do because I ended up going to China three times on my own, Yeah, you know, for a deal we were doing. But uh, yeah, they really give students access to other parts of the world and in-depth relationship with that's on the top companies in those areas. So, and we created these trips. You know, we yeah. and now the full timers and the executive MBAs go with the Fembas. Yeah. They actually don't have the quarter long study abroads for full time anymore because oh. it takes people out of the recruiting cycle too much. So mm -hmm. the full timers now go with Fembas and the executive MBAs go, and it's just networking. And you know, I, I just uh, as we kind of start to wrap up, I'll, I'll do this real quick. Some of the people on the podcast have heard me say this, but I had two life changing events, and you were at both of them. The 16 days that I got to be in India. The first was the Hollywood Bollywood night because we looked up the alumni and I forget, I think it's, um, oh, I want to say, I think it's Abhishek was an alum in the class of 06 who had repatriated back to India. He came that night and we walked into the Tony Romas, the place for ribs, like vegetarian country, but we went to Tony Romas, uh, the, the American chain. <laughs> oh my God, cultural imperialism. But, and, and, and he walks up and he gives me a hug. And in that moment, I wasn't Dylan Stafford, assistant dean, UCLA. I was Dylan Stafford from Denison, Texas, in, in you know, kind of the backwoods where I, I grew up. In my, not, Denison's a wonderful place. It's not the backwoods. But it was a small town. Mm -hmm. I did not know anybody. 
on the subcontinent of India for the first half of my life. Yeah. And I make a living telling people, like, you get to build a lifelong network with people. You can do Airbnb for the rest of your life with your Femba friends because sure. you'll, you'll know people in every country. And in that moment, like, I got it. Like, oh, my God, I'm associated with UCLA. And I'm part of this network. So that was the first life changer. And then the second one was, so we went to the, the ashram is run by Amma, who's a living saint. She's been hugging people since she was a teenage girl. She's now in her late 50s, I guess 60s now. Mm -hmm. She's hugged over 30 million people. Mm -hmm. And you took me up there, put me in line. I stood there for an hour and I got my, I got my blessing, my hug from her. And that wasn't the miracle. I didn't feel lightning at that moment. But each afternoon, you know, I thought eat, pray, love. I thought it was going to be like a little hut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a junior college in the jungle yeah. with a 15-story high-rise. And there are thousands of people living this incredible spiritual experience under this woman's tutelage and sponsorship and just kind of magnanimity. And you know, we, we would sit there in the afternoon for like two hours of prayer time and people just meditating and being calm. And then they would wheel out all that food. And it was all vegetarian, mm -hmm. vegetable like ratatouille, vegetable medley. We'd get those little silver plates. We'd stand in line. We're all wearing white. And they'd slop your food in. And you and I'd go sit over there and you'd tell me not to take pictures. But I'd try to sneak a picture. And I'd eat with my hands. And I just, I just remember thinking, you know, 5,000 people just got a vitamin rich, prepared that day, no animal killed, very little carbon footprint meal and i just thought you know as proud as i am to be an american and i'm extremely proud we do so many things right but we've made certain problems too we make this great environmental impact and these people are living a much more sustainable like i was left with my worldview will always be different mm -hmm. because i got to experience this by going with you and doing it i would have never done that if you i mean i would have gone to mumbai and delhi that would have been wonderful but i would have never gone to kerala and to this ashram without the invitation that you gave and you know i'm a better citizen on the planet mm. because my paradigm got blown up and expanded and i just i think about stuff differently because of of that experience of watching a totally foreign to me way to live unfold completely yeah yeah and especially i don't know if you remember even the composting yeah the composting yeah. there and they were doing composting yeah. and you talk about sustainability yeah it's a buzzword nowadays but a lot of corporations are not taking on sustainability they're doing this in a 1500 person run ashram with how much trash and they collect and everything we go through trash and we were doing compost duty and separating the trash from what's compostable and like it was an amazing experience which i know i wouldn't have had either you yeah. know and uh that's where the elephant was we we were back there with pitchforks turning yeah. over the compost and there's an elephant standing there. Prague yeah. goes, why don't you get on the elephant? I was like, uh, because it's bigger than me and could eat me or yeah. step on me or something. <laughs> Boy from Texas, like, okay, what am I going to do on that? This is not a cow. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, you know, that will, you know, the memories you make, not only when you're in business school, but also with the relationship you make, you know, during, before, during, and after are going to be with you for the rest of your life. And it's interesting what you touched on the other life-changing experience because what I found out is while I was at getting my MBA, after I got my MBA, and even to this day, I reach out to the alumni database all the time. Yeah, and you you're great at that. If you go to China, you go to India, you go anywhere in the world, you probably have an MBA student, uh, UCLA MBA grad or alum, that's more than happy to take a call and reconnect, you know, connect with you and tell you the ropes. And I've never had one person ever turn me down for meeting up or whatnot just to tell me the ropes were on. So it is one of the, something that we don't talk about enough at UCLA, 
But to me, it's like, yeah, that's an access and a privilege you have for the rest of your life. And uh, whether it was the deals we were doing in India or the deals we were doing in China, you know, I reached out to MBA, you know, UCLA alums, and it was like, yeah, they set you up, they tell you the ropes in China. Yeah. You know, we were looking for investors for the movie that we did, and, you know, the guy who ran a hedge fund and introduced me to do uh, high net worth individuals. So it was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, um, someone's knocking on my door. I put the sign up that said we were recording the podcast, but I think that's the universe saying. Yes. All right. So um, thank you all for listening. Uh, this is a five-star podcast in my book. Um, as you, thank you for being our first alum uh, to, to go down this strange journey with me. And, um, and thank you for everything you've given to the school. Thank you for everything you've given to your father and your family. And, uh, and thanks for, for opening my world because um, I'm a better person for getting to know you. So thank you. This is a privilege. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's a privilege to speak to all of you listening to this podcast. And like I said, you know, not only make the NBA experience your playground, but make life your play playground because it's the way I've lived my life. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm very appreciative of it. So, yeah, I asked him at lunch. I said, do you live your life? And he said, hell yeah. I live <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oh, there goes our scatological. You might have to delete it. Okay. <laughs> the answer was yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Parag Lal, you can find him on LinkedIn. Carmen Road Entertainment is his company. And we will see you next time. Thanks Have a great a lot. day.